Hey everybody, welcome to the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast whose episode will be late this week because my solid state boot drive decided to eat its own face. So real quick gang, I have a little bit of a good news, bad news situation or bad news, good news situation or Todd news, fate news situation. I don't know. You decide. The um, fact of the matter is had some pretty major technical issues at the end of last week with my PC that prevented the timely editing and release of this week's episode. So that's the bad news. The good news is no recordings were lost. All our backups are still sound and you will be getting a new episode this week, but it will be a couple days late. So rather than leave you hanging, we're we're going to do a feed drop right now of the second episode of The Hunter's Party, which is our bonus Supernatural rewatch and D&D conversion podcast. During one of our pre-recording sessions, it came out that Jazz and a couple other cast members hadn't ever really watched Supernatural. So we thought it would be fun for us to go back, watch the show, and spit out some D&D content associated with that episode. We talk about the things that are still entertaining about the show. We talk about the things that haven't aged very well, and we put a D&D spin on the recap. It's a fun little bit of content. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get these right as they come out, and you get the supporting documents for whatever we brew up. If you like what you hear, you'd like to hear more of it, you'd like to get the kind of backup documentation that goes with it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash gmdlcast to check out what other benefits you can get. Again, our sincere apologies for the delay in the release of the episode this week, but in deciding whether or not to re release a hastily edited shorter than normal episode or drop the Hunter's Party in the feed for our normal release time and then get you a regularly edited regular length episode out, we decided to do the latter rather than the former. Much like all the content we produce, the Hunter's Party is not a family-friendly show. Due to a mix of crude humor, profanity, and in this particular case, supernatural violence and gore as we recap and review and homebrew D&D content off a horror show that is 15 years old. There will be a specific content warning in the notes below due to a topic of discussion that is touched on in this episode. So please check that out. But otherwise, thank you for joining us. Thank you again for your patience. Keep an eye on your feed for later in the week and follow us on socials at GMDLcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mostly Twitter, and Twitch. Thanks and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of The Hunter's Party, the Supernatural Rewatch, Review, and D&D Conversion podcast brought to you by the cast of Gimme the Loot, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that has a Patreon now. Joining me this week are... <laughs> this is Jazz. I play Fate on the Gimme the Loot podcast, and I am a Supernatural rookie. I am Anthony... Uh, I play Baba on the Give Me the Loot podcast, and I'm a supernatural A1 from day one. And I am Tony, and since we're going with uh, leagues, I am double A ball supernatural 
novice, no idea what's going on, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, it's um, it is a show that had a very clear path for the first five seasons, and then definitely a lot of moments for the other ten that it was on. You know, going through and kind of skipping ahead a little bit and watching future seasons to kind of sketch scout out for the podcast. There is some problematic stuff that comes up that hasn't really aged well, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit as we as we go through it. Um, Supernatural doesn't have the best relationship with its female characters, and there's a lot of no, you're gay, yuck yuck, in it throughout its its lifespan that haven't hasn't aged super well. But we'll we'll cross that uh, those particular bridges when we come to them. So we're talking about episode two, Wendigo, the uh, second episode in season one. We'll kind of launch into the to the recap, and then Tony, if you want to bring up the guest stars as they kind of appear through it, and then I'll kind of go through the scene, and then Jazz, if you if anybody wants to throw out, hey, this was so and so passes perception roll or stealth roll or whatever. And then any other notes or comments for that for that particular scene? So I got I got all that covered. Okay, cool. All right, so we uh, we open up with a uh, caption informing us that the setting is in Blackwater Ridge, Lost Creek, Colorado. We watch a couple of campers playing an FPS PvP in their tents. One guy accuses the other of cheating. We hear a deep growl as we pan over to a second tent where a, a young man is recording a video message to send someone named Haley. We jump back to the first tent where the one guy announces he's going to take a piss. More growls and sounds of branches snapping from the woods. Something dashes forward. Uh, we then cut to the tent interiors, hear a scream. Gamer number one pokes his head out and gets grabbed. And then we spend some time watching a shadow circle the young man who was on the video calls tent before something claws through and we close on him screaming. So the whole party feels perception rolls right there because nobody's on watch. What, what kind of rookies go out in the middle of the forest to camp and doesn't put anybody on watch at night? Party of five has come close a, a couple of times. I think you guys have snaked by just because you have two elves in the party. Uh, I mean, but, but at least an elf is on watch. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, somebody should have been looking and nobody saw it. Like at least it was like a passive perception. Like nobody noticed what was running around and you know leaves and rustling. Nobody noticed that the forest went silent of death. No, nobody. Yeah, we do, we don't get our it's it's quiet, too quiet moment until <laughs> a little later in the episode. The notes I had for this section is Lost Creek, Colorado is real, but Blackwater Ridge is fictional. If you actually look at the Wikipedia page for Lost Creek, Colorado, they go, yeah, that Blackwater Ridge shit on Supernatural is not real. Did anybody recognize? So the guys were playing an FPS PvP on DSs. I was going to ask, did anybody recognize the game they were playing? It looked like Metroid. That's what it, the screen looked like. But then the like when it showed them controlling it, they weren't using like the button. They were using the D pad to move around, but then they were using like a the second screen for something. I'm like, is that was there a Metroid DS game that used that control scheme? I never owned a DS, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, this would have really been the week for Jamie to be here, because I think he would have been able to, to answer that in two seconds. Oh. Tommy, who was the guy recording the video, I guess is using a BlackBerry. And I'm not sure if that was supposed to be that he was recording it in black and white, or is that was supposed to be night vision that he was recording. I was confused why that, like, the, the video image you see in his phone is black and white. I don't know. You I know? just, I thought about the fact that he didn't have a... Uh, the camera, the phones didn't have front-facing cameras at that point, so it was just like he had to turn the phone around. It's like that kind of 
really dated the show. Yeah, it would keep by this was recorded in 2005, so yeah. we will be oh, going yeah. back in time for a lot of technology. Yeah, it's just sometimes when going back and watching these shows, you forget like how far yeah. we've, like <laughs> we've come. You're like, God, I didn't, I just didn't remember that the beginning of the show was that long ago. Good lord. <laughs> I had so many problems with this entire opening sequence. First off, I mean, again, because of the fact that I have zero supernatural knowledge, but I know kind of how we're coming at the angle of this for the podcast from the podcast. Um, I, like I said, I watched the whole thing under like watching the D and D party go. So like the second that first guy, I think his name was Brad gets eaten. Like my brain immediately, like I just heard a DM's voice go roll initiative. Yeah, I, I, they didn't last long enough for me to, to, to label them as more than Gamer 1 or Gamer 2. Although Gamer 1 should be familiar to some people. Oh, yeah. wait, Gamer 1 or Player 1? Play, yeah, the guy who, uh, Player 1, the, the first guy that we see, the first character that we see on the screen. He should be familiar? Yeah. He's, who is he? He's from Glee. That's, uh, what's his name from Glee? Shit. That is Corey... Monteith. Monteith. Yeah. 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 Monteith. The late uh, Corey Monteith. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, that guy had a, as with as much success as he had, he had a, a lot of troubles. Um, and eventually, yeah. Now he eventually took his own life, but that was one of the main characters from Glee. He was also apparently in Charlie XY, which I never watched, but I think was a show about a clone. I have never heard of that in my life. I never watched Glee. First couple seasons of Glee is hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, he played Finn Hudson on Glee. This is one of his earlier appearances and the first guy that we see. Gamer number two is Reese Williams, who isn't you who you wouldn't recognize probably, but if you looked at his EMD IMDB list, you would see he has just done a crazy amount of stunt work and genre stunt work. And I mainly mention him here in solidarity since we've had a working stuntman on our other podcast. Nice. So what other issues did you have with this like opening scene, Jazz? After, I want to say, like, what, two or three guys had been eaten slash killed, uh, the last remaining camper, which I believe was the brother. There's three of them, uh, yeah. Three total. Two in the first tent, one in the second, uh, which is our, our our named guy, Tommy. Gamer number two goes out to piss, gets uh, <laughs> gets ganked. Gamer number one pops his head out, uh, which was just asking for trouble, gets ganked. And then Tommy doesn't notice anything until the thing claws its way into his tent. <laughs> Tommy was the one who annoyed me because he tried to hide inside the tent. It was like, yes. why would you like, it was such the most obvious fail hide. Like clearly the thing knows you're in there. Just snatch somebody out of the fucking tent. And oh, the shit. first thing you think is I'm just going to turn off this lamp yeah. and hide and it'll never know I'm in here. Yeah. I'm completely safe. Like what are you a fucking toddler? He, f- he failed his hide roll. Yeah. That was my reaction too. Yeah. That, that was my reaction too. <laughs> when, he, when he turned that lamp off, I went, well, that'll solve well, the problem. To be fair, where is he going to go? Outside? <laughs> I mean, you know, to find a stick and fight. It was a, it was a nat one on his eye check, okay? That is, that is a nat one on his eye check. <laughs> he comes from the Todd the Tiefling school of rogue stealth. And then he kind of just puts his back against the tent, which I didn't understand either. Like, here's an outprint of exactly where I'm sitting inside this tent. All right. What else, Chad? You got anything else on this one? Oh, I mean, just the fact that the whole party got TPK'd and they deserved it for being noobs. Ah, but did they get TPK'd? We will, we will address that later. Oh, that's, 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 that's fair. They actually did not get TPK'd. Well, you know, it was my first time watching the episode, so I assume they yeah, all died. Yeah, which is a safe assumption to think that these guys were, were, were all dead. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, moving on. Anybody else got anything for this one? All right, we cut over to Palo Alto, California, where Sam is leaving flowers on Jessica Lee Moore's grave. We Sam expresses his grief for not uh, protecting her. Sam leans in to leave the flowers and jump scare. A hand erupts from the grave and grabs his wrist. Sam bolts awake in the passenger seat of the Impala. Dean gives him some side eye and asks about his nightmare. We get some brotherly banter. We establish that they poked around Stanford for about a week and had no luck getting any leads on Jessica's killer before they headed out on the road to find their dad. And they believe finding their dad is the key to finding Jessica's killer. So on the the Palo Alto grave situation, like the first thing, I know this is weird, like Sam's walking up to the grave and I just, just the way he was dressed made me go, nice khaki, Sam. Like I just, he looks like a 12 year old wearing his dad's clothes as he walks up. It just looked like the wardrobe in this, these first couple of seasons are is not, not great. The other note I had is how much shit can you put on one grave? You know, they, for the record, there was three candles, a stuffed bear, what I originally had written down as a book, but when they zoomed in, appeared to be some kind of music box or jewelry box, a framed picture of Jessica, which again, seems a little redundant because there's a picture of her on the headstone, a crucifix and a flag. Like out of all that shit, I went, was she a veteran? <laughs> and we didn't know. Like, yes, she's in the what? army reserves. What? The f- like that there's just a mountain of shit on this grave and i know the intent is to communicate oh she was well loved and had a lot of friends but the entire time i'm just looking like somebody explain the fucking flag to me did anybody have anything else on this or the jump scare or anything nah so that's kind of <laughs> bringing us back to what i had talked about in the previous episode is, is dean ever really okay are we sam no, these are these are some troubled young men. These are some some troubled troubled. Yeah, young men. I just I don't think they're any they're ever okay. They're just yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. What? Uh, now I'm just I'm I'm concerned for the future of this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see people die on a weekly basis, like and, and not like in a, any kind of natural sense. Yeah, you're, you're not okay. <laughs> in a supernatural sense. In a supernatural oh, scene. Well played, sir. Well played. I mean, they addressed that at the beginning or in the middle of the first episode. Dude was like, man, the dad has himself, well, you know, I wanted to be a regular kid and he's got me being afraid of the dark. He's like, of course you should be afraid of the dark. You know what the fuck's out there? Like, I don't, uh, they should, I don't know why they should be troubled. They have been prepared for these moments. You'll, you'll see why. Stay tuned. They go through <sighs> some shit. All right. This is also another instance of season one Netflix music rights striking again, because I don't know what's weird. So he, when he wakes up, the radio's playing She Ain't Lonesome by Steve Fisher, which if you recognize that, you're a much bigger music fan than I am. The original track was Hot Blooded by Foreigner, which was playing when he woke up, which when in context, I'm like, why the fuck would that be the tune they have him wake up to? So in this particular case, the substitution may actually work better. So we uh, we then cut to the Impala parked outside of a ranger station. The bros are inside as Sam details how remote the ridge is and how rough the terrain is. Dean mentions bears. A ranger approaches and questions if they're heading out to Blackwater Ridge. Sam, Sam claims to be an environmental studies major from the University of Boulder working on a paper. 
the ranger doesn't believe them and accuses them of being friends with Haley and sets up that her brother is missing and that she's worried. He refers to a backcountry permit. Dean and the ranger talk about how sassy that Haley girl is, and Dean uses that to con a copy of the permit. So I noted here that Sam attempted deception, trying to be like Dean, and he failed. And then the and his failure allowed Dean to come back in with his deception expertise. And of course, Dean deception for the win. Here we go again. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're friends with so and so girl. What's going on out here, Mister Officer? And of course, the officer just buys it, and they go with that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think we established that they're level two at this point still. What I actually noted about the exchange is like, welcome to the low level casual misogyny that will permeate some of the interactions that Supernatural has about its female characters throughout the first eight seasons. Uh, <laughs> because that, that that really was Dean walking up and going, bitches, am I right? And the ranger going, yeah, yeah, bitches, man, right? It, it was not, not a great exchange, but it, I mean, it worked. Just, just uh, trivia wise. I did check because I have a problem. There is, in fact, an environmental studies program at the University of Boulder, and uh, backcountry permits are a real thing in Colorado for camping in remote, isolated areas. So both of those uh, weren't just like, like, you know, on medical dramas where they'll throw out, I need 20 cc's of Perkinabadurkadurn, stat. Those are real things that they, they actually brought up. But you can also still see... The guys, it feels like they're working out their fake identity game still. Okay. okay. This, this felt like the DM was kind of being, <laughs> this felt like to me like the DM was kind of being lazy because like they failed the deception check, but the DM just wants to move the story along. So he's like, all right, here's free information. <laughs> this, is, this is the next step. Go talk to the girl. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. I feel attacked. I feel I feel a little attacked by that. Sometimes you guys fail roles. Park Ranger might not have very good wisdom. Yeah. You know, it just might be like, right. No, I think I think there's two separate roles. I think Jazz right. I think I think Dean whiffs on it. I'm sorry, Sam whiffs on it, and then Dean, then Dean passes a different, a and less uh, and a little tackier deception, deception right. check, like. Like it was a low DC to begin with, and Sam like crit one or crit failed it, so it was like it was like a ten DC, and then the DM dropped it to like a six just to make sure they got it the <laughs> yeah. second time. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, what other trivia note on this? Like Grizzlies come up a number of times throughout the casual conversation in this. The last grizzly in Colorado was killed in 1979, and prior to that, it was believed the last one was killed in 1951. So, it ain't a fucking bear, and I'm pretty sure the ranger would know that. But, you know, we still have to throw a little bit of scared of bear out there for uh, for the casual oh, fans. still black bears. Humans are terrible. Sam is gung-ho to go. Dean wants to interview Haley. Sam gives Dean a hard time about wanting a date. We cut to Haley's house. Sam and Dean approach, claiming to be rangers. Dean produces a questionable fake ID. Haley, inv- Haley invites them in while Haley compliments the car. Dean gives the uh, like double eyebrows up. Haley sets up that her brother Tommy calls in daily and sends videos. Sam asks to see the pics and videos and seems to see something and asks to be emailed the video. The bros say that they're heading out in the morning and Haley establishes that she's hired a guide to head out and try to find the, her brother on her own. And then we get a little bit more horn dog Dean set up here before they we cut over to the next scene okay so first things first where the fuck did he get that badge from (laughs) 
They stopped by Kinko's. They gave Kinko's on the way. My man is running around with a disguise kit and full lamination setup. Like, he is ready to go. I don't care what anybody's like. Screw you guys. He's a rogue. Hey, no, look, man. Later on, I think like in season eight, there's a line where Dean goes, this badge means something. And Sam's reply is, you made that at Kinko's. <laughs> and Dean's replies, I'm really proud of the work. So, so oh yes, at the very at the very least, it was made at Kinko's. But what's weird about it is they introduce themselves as Sam and Dean. And then he produces, like he introduces himself as Dean and produces a Samuel Cole ID that looks like a laminated high school student ID, but says like Park Ranger on there. And the reason why I, I, I was like, is it Samuel Colt? Is that like a, a foreshadowing of what's going to come up with a certain gun later on? Or is that, nope, that's an E. Oh, wait a minute. What? Wait, what the fuck? Well, the, the thing that got me about that ID card is not only that it, you know, is laminated and whatnot, but it actually said Blackwater Ridge Park Ranger. <laughs> when did they have time to stop, use right. some Microsoft publisher... You know, print it out. I mean, hey, they've been doing this a long time. I just, I want to know, like, where they, yeah, they just, they get this shit done. Well, but, they, but see, here's the thing it's Lost Creek Wilderness Area, not Blackwater Ridge. Blackwater Ridge is a place in Lost Creek. So, yeah, it's that, again, that, that ID raised a lot of eyebrows on my side. My side yeah, no, my, I'm looking at my notes again. My exact note says, where the, like in full caps, I'm like, where the fuck did he get that badge from that fast? The Sky's Kid? Question mark, question mark, question mark. No, where, what do you think their dad had them doing when he was killing <laughs> monsters? You stay in the hotel and make ideas. You look at all, look up all these parks and you just make badges. I need fake IDs and I need fake credit cards. You go. Badges. We need stinking badges. badges. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, a couple notable things about this scene. It is the appearance of Tommy and Haley's younger brother, Ben, who is played by Tony. Who is played by Tony? I'm going to throw this over to you. It's uh, Alden Einrich, who... uh, was great in Hail Caesar, if you didn't see that, the Coen Brothers movie. It was fantastic. But he also played young Han Solo. Yeah, this is actually his first acting job. Haley, um, Haley's done a bunch of ton of a ton of other stuff too. She's done a lot of uh, the actress who plays Haley has done a bunch of other genre work, has been a, a working actor for a ton of time. She was in I guess there was a Flash Gordon reboot. Again, didn't watch it, but she plays one of the major roles in that. She was on the L Word, which gets us our second episode in a row with a L Word alum and then a bunch of other stuff as well. So I did not realize that was Han Solo. I haven't watched that movie yet, so I still need to fix that problem. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not. Solo, solo's fun. It's not amazing. Ring, but ringing endorsement. Well, <laughs> my only real problem with that movie is that they explain where he got his name yeah. from. And that's, and, it, and that's not a problem with that movie. It's a problem with prequels in general, where it's like, we feel like we have to explain everything. Like, okay, I'm cool with there being a scene with how he meets Chewie. I don't need a scene explaining his last fucking name. Just roll with that shit. You know? Right. And Donald Glover as Lando is great. Um, oh, absolutely. he's so good, the only dude. Thing, he's I, good. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I didn't like was 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 uh, Emilia Clark's character. I just there's no point. Yeah, yeah. 
Woody Harrelson was great. You know, uh, I like. I think he was Lando, really great. Lando alone is worth the price of admission. And him and the droid and their relationship is absolutely fucking worth seeing that movie just for just for yeah. that. The other uh, the other note I had on this is when she comes out to the table to talk, it looks like she's carrying an empty salad bowl in a pot of something. And I'm like, did she just have her carry out an empty right. bowl? And I rewound that shit three times like, oh, no. OK, it's a pasta bowl. They just didn't have enough pot like pasta on set to fill it up to where you could see what was in it which makes sense that she's stirring sauce in the other hand and this is the shit that i rewind and check out obsessively no, it's, it's funny you say that because it looked to me like he, what he was eating out of that bowl was not pasta it looked like oatmeal yeah it was it was jarring enough that i went did she have her bring out an empty bowl and if so then what the fuck is she stirring yeah. but then rewind like you can see like two lone little fucking noodles up That's the exactly side what of I was it. about to say yeah. I'm, I'm playing it on mute like right now and i was on that scene i was like did she bring out an empty salad bowl and i went back and like, no, there's like one noodle that you yeah. can see stuck in the first scene yeah. i'm going through that thing like the like the fucking zapruder film i'm like Back into the left, back into the left for that fucking one pasta noodle. Yeah. Uh, props department went all out on the uh, on the gravestone. They didn't have enough money for pasta after that. That's so true. Pasta. Yeah, that's true. That that bear cost money, and that, that was a premium flag. I see the what the other. I was like, what the fuck is with Ben's attitude? Like the younger brother is just like, <laughs> well, like two thousand five. You know, he is an emo kid. You know, give him a break. He just. Ugh. And was he wearing a Cookie Monster shirt that they had to block out the C on I, it for I licensing purposes? Don't no, I was wondering about that too. He just, I couldn't ever, I couldn't ever do it. The, the other two notes I have on this is when they're watching the video, it drove me crazy that the video clip was labeled untitled video clip. I'm like, that, if you would fucking have sent that, it would have saved some kind of fucking file name. It wouldn't have just left it as untitled video clip. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's fucking crazy. And then while while Sam's watching that, he's doing some phenomenal smell the fart acting where he's just making all the mm, something, something is suspicious going on here. That is a throwback to the just Joey Trubiani school of soap soap opera acting is the, the fish hook in the eyebrow and the smell the fart moment. <laughs> Sam is definitely doing some classic smell the fart acting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we know where all of that life insurance from the dead parents went. Yeah, yeah. Clear, clearly, the the dead parents were were killed in some kind of industrial accident. They can't afford noodles, but <laughs> not yeah. a lot, not a lot. <laughs> hey, man, he's the oldest brother. You get to decide where all the money goes. <laughs> okay. We cut to a uh, country western bar. Uh, Sam sets up that there's been a history of disappearances every 23 years around the area. He plays back Tommy's video and shows Dean a shadow moving fast past the tent and then details that there was one survivor out of the disappearances from 1959. Sam investigation for the win. Yeah, that was, that was, I think, I think I'm going to like, is it, and I don't know if it's just my screen or if it's, this is another episode where the lighting is just, just seems like it's super dark. Were you guys seeing that too? Yeah, yeah it's, very dark. it's very dark. It's very dark. Still not as dark as the library from episode one, but uh, the other thing, like the, the brown, like I was like, is that a brown bear head? Like, that's not a grizzly. Couldn't they get a fake grizzly head for this scene? I go, I guess not. I guess that's asking a lot for season one, Supernatural. 
I mean, again, they spent all of their props budget on the tombstone. True. True, true, true. We cut to an old man's apartment where Dean and Sam come in. They start interviewing and the old man gets a little bit sketchy when the guys start talking about the attacks. When they push a little bit further, the old man admits that he doesn't think it was a bear, says it was way too fast even to see, and that the thing unlocked the ca- their cabin door to come in, said it came in and dragged off his parents, and the old man shows a scar in his shoulder from his attacker where it clawed him, and then we close in on the old man saying that it's something evil like a demon. Okay, I got to talk about this scar, all right? First of all, if this kid, if he was a kid, how old was he? to get that scar because it's huge on him. It it's been. huge on him as an adult. I understand why it didn't just cut through him as a kid. Right. Cause scars don't like grow with you. They don't grow with you. Right. They heal over time. And as old as he is, it would have faded a bit. Yeah. They established that that attack occurred in 1959 and this was filmed in 2005. So somebody do yeah, that. So, I mean, was he attacked by a, baby Wendigo and then the scar grew with him or what? Because one of those claws would have just eviscerated a child. Have you ever been scratched by a Wendigo? Uh, not recently. The, the wounds grow. Not recently. The, the wounds grow over time. <laughs> oh, it's not <laughs> magic. I mean, magic. Everybody. Yeah. If, he, if he pulled his, pulled his shirt down and it was like a three, like, like it looked like a cat had really gone at him. He's like, something's evil oh, out there. there. Like a really rabid the kitten. The statues are bigger than my <laughs> fingers. I mean, I don't have the biggest chance, but. Oh, dude, huge. it's a brutal scar. Yeah, it's a brutal goddamn scar. The old man in this was a. Uh, Donnelly Rhodes, and I'm sorry, I left off Timothy Weber. Both of those guys are just long-standing working actors. This guy is at, was on Soap and Battle, one of two people that had a long stint in Battlestar Galactica. The, the, the first one or the original? Or the original or the latest one? The second. Uh, the second one. Yeah, the second I never one. watched yeah, the, no, second the second Battlestar Galactica. Uh, really, the first really season or two are good. Yeah. It loses me a little bit after that. I think season three. Now we're back at the hotel. Dean points out that spirits and demons don't need to open doors. Dean makes fun of Sam for using the word corporeal, and they spitball what the monster could be based off of the claws and the speed. They drop skinwalkers and black dogs. The bros head to the trunk for a loadout scene. Sam wants to try and warm Haley off. Dean says they'll have to escort her, and Sam gets pissy about having to focus on something other than finding their dad. I got nothing here. More just, more just Sam investigation win. But uh, incorporeal, incorporeal, definitely words I learned from D and D as a child. <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know this is what I've got. The only note I've got for this is for they mentioned Skinwalkers again. I believe that's also mentioned in the first one, and they 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 have a history of mentioning Skinwalkers a bunch. For how often you th- they mention them, you think they would fucking be popping up all over the goddamn place. And no spoilers here. I will tell you, they ha- happen once in 357 episodes of this goddamn series. Nice. But you always hear them go, yeah, skinwalkers? Like, it's their throwaway fucking monster to drop. Maybe skinwalkers were his dad's hated enemy. Ah. It's a good point you make there. <laughs> We cut to Roy the guide, Haley and her other brother Ben loading up. Sam and Dean roll up and Haley makes fun of Dean's gear. Dean gets mouthy and Roy calls out Dean for making light of a dangerous area. 
the note I've got here is Roy puts out some serious expendable asshole energy right from the very rip. He's our other a really consistent working actor who is also on Battlestar Galactica. Yes. So the notes I've got through this whole sequence was, yes, Ranger Man is asshole. Uh, I had a really weird question and I'm not, uh, is it just me or does Dean randomly slip into and out of a really hard country ass accent? He did for a second. And is that supposed to be happening? He did. I noticed that too. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but I'll trust your judge. I mean, having grown up in the country, I, I don't have a great ear for that. Yeah, I'm starting to like hear it on people now. And like it, it just kept happening. It happened like two or three times. Like, what the hell is he? Is he trying to sound country to fit in again? Or is he just is, what is happening here? So I need to know, is he supposed to have a country accent? They're from Kansas originally. I mean, I think I think suburban Kansas. So no, I don't have an accent. Yeah, but he's from Texas young, in real life. Young Texas actor working on killing his accent, I think. Uh, okay. All right. Um, the other thing I had was um, at the end of that whole exchange of them going, uh, meeting the, uh, Roy the Ranger and getting ready to go out, the sister kind of gives them some shit about not being prepared. And then I was, I don't know why, but I was just tickled for no fucking reason about Dean hitting on the sister with the bag of M&Ms. Like that shit was just priceless to me. That, yeah, that's the next, that's actually, we actually have a cutaway and then back to that oh. when he busts out with the bag of M&Ms. Oh, okay. My fault, my fault. Still jumped ahead. So, after that's the I don't do shorts sister uh, where uh, D where D and it, that like Dean wearing shorts appears to be a running joke throughout the entire because it comes up another time or two before we're like, what the fuck is up with the shorts, man? We cut to Tommy and gamer number one hanging in a cave and we hear growls as something walks up and we hear it tear into gamer one as we watch Tommy react in horror. So we get a little cutaway from the intro scene to establish that Tommy is alive and hanging in a cave a la Luke on Hoth. And then we cut back to the search party and Dean talking trash to Roy about being a hunter. Roy grabs Dean and prevents him from stepping in a bear trap. Haley calls out Dean for not being rangers based off of their gear and their lack of provisions. Dean then uses the story of them searching for their dad to justify them being there and to score points with Haley. And then Dean produces a big bag of M&Ms to prove that he does have provisions. The notes here I've got is the, quote, most honest I've ever been with a woman. And I was like, what? This? Again, there's just a weird, like, they, they've, they've got, I don't think they've really centered on where Dean is at just quite yet. And they, he puts out a lot of weird vibes. And while Chekhov's M&Ms, I, I agree with you guys, were, were really funny. Where the fuck was he keeping those? Because he just, like, out of his, what did he have? Did he have those, like, in the fucking waste of his pants because he just look like this big bag of M&Ms I have. Yeah, he must. He's got that magical interior pocket on the inside of his coat or something. He's got a Todd pocket. <laughs> but his only holds M&Ms. His only holds M&Ms. Todd's only holds knives. Dean's only holds M&Ms. But I, say, I think uh, I noted at the end of that because like you said, his, his whole vibe there was really weird. But the fact that he managed to say all that really off-putting stuff and still how somehow managed to be charming to a girl just means that his charisma has just got to be like a minimum 18. <laughs> he, he's definitely working hard for it. I was, I don't think that he's had a lot of practice with speaking to women. I mean, he's been doing this since he was a kid with his father. How often, you know, during a hunt, do you get to go flirt with girls? The guy is going to be very awkward around women. I think psychologically speaking, he's probably eight, years old when it deals with women oh he's he's definitely a man child and that gets 
more established in a cartoonish way as you get into it later in the series to where it's a little bit more endearing. Dean's casual misogyny early on in the series is kind of grating, although they they do go on to establish that Dean is the one of the two that's had that gets laid the most frequently, and it even comes up in flashbacks in the future. But again, they, the characterization of it changes over time. At first, he just kind of comes across like a skeevy yeah, horn dog. he's creepy. He really is. But they, again, they, they mold that a little bit over, over time, I think. So the party reaches Blackwater Ridge. Sam confirms the coordinates. But we get our, it's quiet, too quiet moment. Roy goes to scout alone, despite Sam's warning. They find the destroyed and bloody camp. Roy thinks it's a grizzly bear. Haley calls out for Tommy and Sam hushes her. Dean IDs that the bodies were dragged from the site and then the tracks suddenly vanish. Haley finds Tommy's phone and Dean reassures her. We hear cries for help from the woods. The gang rushes in, but they don't find anything. And then Sam uh, grocks that it's a trick and they return to their camp and discover that their packs and gear have all been stolen. So I think it's interesting that as long as, you know, they've been doing it as as a family, but, you know, and then Sam, you know, goes off to college and Dean continues doing it. Sam seems to be the one that has more common sense about all of this. Yeah, yeah they, they definitely play Sam up as the kind of researcher academic of the two. He, he will continue to fall in the, hey, this is what the monster is, download role, kind of exposition role throughout the, uh, throughout the, the, the series. He, he is a little bit uncharacteristically gung-ho in this episode, and that's touched in on some of their interactions because he's, uh, you know, feeling the, I got to get out there and find her dad so I can find Jess's killer. And that gets called out a couple of times. But uh, further on down the road, Sam is generally the one behind a laptop pulling up lore. I didn't really... Note much. It just was, I guess, kind of all expositional going on through here. Other than my, we get it. It's quiet, uh, too quiet moment. We get, we they point out it's not a skinwalker or a black dog. Right. <laughs> so they go out of their way to point that out. Not a, no skinwalker or black dog. So Sam calls for a bro huddle. The dad's journal is consulted, and Sam pegs that the creature is a Wendigo. Dean argues that this isn't the right area for the Wendigo and then is a little disappointed because if it is a Wendigo, his gun will be useless. Sam heads back to camp to convince everyone to back out of the woods. It gets into an argument with Roy. Roy is confident he can gun down any problems and Sam points out you're just going to piss it off if you shoot it. Haley calms things down and refuses to leave and then Dean points out how bad it's going to be because the thing is the perfect hunter during the day. But at night, it's going to be even worse, so they should bunker up. So the two notes I have here is Sam's definitely a prick in this episode. <laughs> he just comes across like such an asshole in this one. And for fuck's sake, it's Wendigo. I looked it up. I've always pronounced it Wendigo. Wendigo is the appropriate pronunciation. But they say it Wendigo, Wendigo. in every episode. Wendigo. Like, they draw that son of a bitch out. Wendigo. That is not how it is correctly pronounced. Yeah, I've always said Wendigo as well. I've never heard that word before this episode. I, I usually just say Winnebago. You never heard of a Wendigo before this? Nope. Wow. <laughs> so, never heard of a Wendigo. I'm disappointed. We'll get into that when we get into the monster section. But yeah, Wend I've been familiar with Wendigos for a while because of Marvel Comics, of all things. Huh. On, on a side note about the Wendigo, if you'd like to watch something else that has that involves Wendigo, uh, you should check out the movie Ravenous with Guy Pierce. It's really good. 
We cut to night and Dean is drawing protective Anasazi symbols in the dirt to keep the Wendigo out. Uh, Dean gives the, uh, Sam a talk about being a loose cannon. Dean gives Sam a talk. Uh, Sam points out that, that their dad isn't, isn't there and Dean doesn't think he ever was. He thinks that this whole thing was just a set up for them to take this case. When Sam questions why they're still here, Dean points out that the dad handing off the journal means uh, he wants them on the case and others. Sam pushes back because he's focused on Jessica's revenge. Dean advises Sam to be patient. We hear screams from the dark again. Dean says, stay put. We hear growls. Roy fires off some shots and then heads off into the woods thinking he scored a hit. And then we see Roy get yanked up by his head into the trees and disappear. So, who, which one of the two brothers dropped the the, uh, the the glyphs of warding on the ground? Was that Sam or was that Dean's work? Dean was drawing him. Dean is drawing him. All right. So here's what I've got on that. First of all, so D, like in the previous scene, we hear Dean talking about this isn't the right area. So Wendigos are traditionally an Algonquin uh, and Algonquin adjacent tribe related lore. Uh, that's kind of where the the roots and the origin of the monster come from. Um, and they don't, they call, they wouldn't be in Colorado. He's absolutely right. That is, it's not the right necessarily area for, for them to be in based off of uh, kind of the Algonquin roots. And he's drawing Anasazi symbols, which are, you know, the cliff dwelling Native Americans that were native to Colorado. So it's like, okay, you got the area right for the Wendigo and you've got the area right for the Native American mystical symbols that you're using. But why the fuck would the Wendigo not be able to cross those particular, like he specifically calls out that he they can't cross Anasazi mystical symbols, which again, the, just the regionality of those two things were a little bit askew for me. And I was like, mm, well played, but if you're, why not just say I'm drawing Algonquin uh, a uh, mystical symbols, or did you just want to say Anasazi because it's more fun to say? I was going to say, yeah. When would like when would the the Colorado region Native Americans ever run into um, a Wendigo to know that those marks prevent them from coming past? So I, I, I not that I knew what you just said before, but now that you brought that up, that does seem to be a bit of a I guess a plot hole there. But I guess most uh, you know most watchers, my like myself, would not have noticed that to be an issue. Yeah. No. 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 It's just because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and I have actually been to two different Anasazi settlements when I was younger. We went on a massive road trip and hit a bunch of national parks. And I've been to, I think Mesa Verde is the one that's actually close to or in the general area of Lost Creek. And so when he said Anasazi, I was like, wait a minute. And because I'd been doing Wendigo research for this podcast, I knew that the roots were Algonquin. So it was just like, I don't have a problem with them kind of crossing the streams a little bit on the lore. but what bothered me about it is you were you went way out of your way to talk about how the monster's not from this region and then bring in mystical symbols from that region. I just that's where I cried foul. If they hadn't made that argument, I probably wouldn't nitpick it. But that's just again, I'm a nerd. <laughs> the other note I have on this is this scene is the first time you ever hear reference to the family business of the Winchester family business being going out and killing monsters and saving people. The only thing I was going to say about the symbols thing is, is just that, you know, the Anasazi are a very mysterious tribe. Nobody knows, you know, really what happened to them or where they went. And mm -hmm. so the only thing I could think to, to your point is that maybe, you know, the Anasazi symbols are just much more powerful against evil than, than alcohol. Yeah. No, no, you can, you can logic your way out of it by saying a wizard did it. No problem. And I don't have a problem with that. A wizard did it, asshole. Quit nitpicking. I can logic my way out of anything. 
and and again, I don't have a problem if they hadn't like it's it's a fucking it's just a weird fucking way my brain works. I'm like, okay, you can get away with this if you don't talk about the regionality of this thing just fucking five minutes earlier, but or even if you done it a different scene uh but yeah the the anasazi do have kind of a reputation for being a more mysterious more mysterious native american tribe or have more kind of mystical lore pop culture lore associated with them so and look there's a lot of insight check fails in the scene in the last one with those screams from the woods a lot of insight check fails that's yes. very true and roy roy we hardly knew ye man so Ranger, asshole ranger man, because, you know, he's a hunter. So, of course, he has to be a ranger, right? So they went and found a low-level ranger NPC to guide them out into these woods. And then this dumbass gets into his first encounter and forgets to use Hunter's Mark and got himself killed. Yeah, he just, he was overconfident and not prepared for it to be a monster that he was hunting. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That was uh, that was my last notice. Poor doomed, overconfident asshole. Yeah, <laughs> poor doomed, overconfident asshole. Yeah, that's you know, we knew like right from the very beginning. Like, oh man, you're being a prick to the main characters. You're gonna die. Yeah. So we cut to daylight with Sam moping on a stump, foreshadowing the amount of moping we will see from Sam over the next fifteen seasons. Haley and Dean have the monsters are real chat which is the birds and the bees conversation of supernatural the series uh sam pops back commits to killing the thing and we get a lore download on the wendigo wendigos are in the supernatural world are people who turn turn to cannibalism and then constant cannibalism leads to a monster transformation we learn that wendigos hibernate and store prey which gives us a you know, which lends us to the fact that Tommy might still be alive. And then we find out that they have to be burned. This immediately made me think troll. Okay, God, it wasn't yeah. just me. No, no, no. We'll be leading off with using probably the troll stat block for <laughs> for this for a couple of years. But I, I have notes on the, the monsters like troll stat block, question mark. Um, yeah, see, I, I, I was, I was going to save that's where we got to homebrewing the monster. But yeah, I've got notes there for that. What I've got on this is, of course, they they drop the Donner Party, which is probably the most culturally pop culture aware cannibalism story. But people in Colorado would probably more likely reference Alfred Packer, which is another head off into the woods, get lost, eat your friends story. Packer was actually tried twice for cannibalism. I'm pretty sure, Tony, that there is a citation needed episode about both the Donner Party and Alfred Packer. If you are looking to read a really fucked up story, look up the Alfred Packer expedition on Wikipedia because it's even more fucked up than the Donner Party. Both involve Mormons, which is weird enough. But yeah, there's it's so it's uh, clearly they went with Donner Party because that's the one that everybody's more familiar with. But that's not the one that most people in Colorado would be likely to be familiar with. Also. That's not how hibernating works with storing food. That's why, like, I went, wait a minute. Bears don't have a fucking freezer. They eat all the shit and pack on weight and then go to sleep. I'm like, that's, that's not, I don't think that word means what you think it means. You don't get to decide how Wendigo hibernates. Right? Maybe he likes his meat dried. I mean, you saw those drying racks he had everything mounted on, right? Well, no. He, he was making man jerky. So, so he... Whoa. Oh, oh, 
let's uh, let's back that up. Can we get that clean? Can we get, can we get that no. clean? No. Nope. We're just gonna we're gonna keep moving with that. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> well, we cut over, and the party heads off into the woods to find the monster. Uh, they are following, although they never explicitly say it. They appear to be following the claw mark trail. Uh, they get to a clearing with a bunch of claw marks and we get our it's a trap moment for the episode. Cue to the window, Wendigo growling and circling. Haley gets some blood dripped on her from above. Roy's body drops down from the tree. The party scrambles off. A little bro trips. Sam picks him up and then Dean and Haley get captured. Uh, we're we're going to, uh, you know, we're two for two for this blood from above trope. Yes. That's, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it, again back to back episodes it's like guys space it out just a little fucking bit man. <laughs> and you did it twice in the first episode <laughs> yes <laughs> like fucking welcome to supernatural here's your poncho like it's not a fucking uh, <laughs> no it's okay. of course is the it's a trap moment uh then we we see the wendigo for a second and it totally looks like they took and I'm not knocking the show's effects, although I'm about to knock the show's effects. They, they, you see the predi- the, the Wendigo re- run by, and it looks like they just took the footage of that Bigfoot, like the traditional Bigfoot walking through the woods footage, and layered a predator effect on top of it. Because that's what I've got. I've got Predator Bigfoot. Because it's got this weird lope. I was like, oh my god, they just took that old Bigfoot footage and layered the predator shimmer on top of it. You only see that one time. The other thing I'm confused by is they went to all that trouble setting up the least threatening looking Molotov cocktails ever to burn this thing. But when it shows up, they all are just like, run! Like the fucking malls cops showed up and they were trying to break into a soda machine and I didn't understand why. One, do you know how terrifying Predator Bigfoot sounds? (laughs) 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 Sounds fucking mortifying. It sounds horrible. (laughs) No, it was was horrifying, but just the way that they had it kind of loping, I was like, it really, I just thought they reused that footage looped with the the Predator screenshot. Hey, you got use your budget wisely true so i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw this out here because unfortunately like like noted in the intro and or in you know in the previous intro uh anthony is my friend my good friend for a long time now i made a note during this uh seeing the wendigo do all his super running and after they did the lore dump on exactly what this wendigo was Mm -hmm. i was like I, i i wrote down he's got no soul and he's super fast. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> that is that is very much a inside joke between us. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. no. That's going in the podcast. <laughs> the, uh, we uh, Dean and Bro Number Two are then uh, are Ben. I guess uh, Dean and Ben are wandering through the woods. They're talking about. Uh, they mentioned that Roy was killed for shooting it and pissing it off, as he was explicitly warned. They find a trail of M&Ms and follow it to an old cave. In the lair, Sam and Ben manage to sneak past a Wendigo. They fall through some creaky boards into a bone pit and find the Wendigo's captives. Haley cries as she finds Tommy. And then we get jump scare number two as Tommy wakes up and some flare guns are discovered and the party heads out to escape. Thank God. Flare guns. Yeah, flare guns are kind of the quicksand of fucking flaming. Like, you know, growing up, every, like there was always quicksand around. There was always 
a room that was going to, with moving walls, that was going to crush something. And flare guns were just laying all over the fucking place. And I'm glad whoever dug this mine came from that era as well. <laughs> Group in the middle of nowhere. There were never flare guns. We were our closest land or our closest water was like three hours away. We didn't have flare guns for anything. Well, that what? So was this like? So there's two flare guns, and they weren't from mine supplies. Because why the fuck would you need a flare gun? A flare gun in a mine. Yeah. So then were they? Well, they came out of one of the backpacks, right? Yeah, the, the packs from hunters that right. had been killed. That's from right, other people, right. yeah. Because yeah. there were like there was a whole bunch of packs there. Yeah, I didn't see the packs. That's what I was confused by. You just I just saw Dean stand up and go, flare guns. And then he whirls them like they're freaking <laughs> yeah. revolvers. <laughs> like yeah. Freaking, yeah. yeah, he was he was digging through yes. the packs and found them. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I had on this is they when they walk up to the entrance of the cave, it's hey, toxic chemicals, don't go in. And then they, as they go in, the camera pans up to another sign that says, no, really fucking toxic chemicals. Don't fucking right. go in here. And I, I, I didn't understand why the second pan up to the second sign. It's like, hey, we know you criticized us for the bridge out sign in the first episode. We just want you to know that sign budget got up for episode two. <laughs> you know, um, the thing about the 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 top sign, you know, it was made out of concrete. Yes. And so clearly that was made, you know, during the time of this Wendigo, right? So and I, know, I know it runs in 23 year cycles, but it makes you wonder, do the town people know about this thing? And they just kind of. Well, and like the, the concrete sign too. And Anthony, did you say, did you say you had the episode up? Yeah. It says keep out no admittance. Okay. For, because if it, if it also mentioned the dangerous chemicals, I'm like, okay, so you've got. So you went to the trouble of when you were building your mine of casting a concrete sign that says keep out no admittance for your mine and then hanging a second chemical sign up in the mine. Again, I just couldn't get over the two signs. I'll admit it. Also, Tommy was just being a dick. I, in my head, I like to imagine that Tommy's like, ha ha, they're saving me. I'm going to really scare them and just pretend to be dead until they walk <laughs> up to me. And then, oh, I got you. When they got out. Because look, man, if, if it were me, that's what I would have done. <laughs> like a cool, I rescued. That, or he, he passes his third death save at exactly mm. that moment. <laughs> he was playing possum. It was, it was a it was a faint death spell and it wore out right like at that point. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. All right. So the group heads up, uh, heads out. Uh, they split up as Dean heads off to try and draw the Wendigo off. Sam tries to ambush the Wendigo, but the creature sneaks up with him. He takes his shot, misses and runs for it. Uh, Sam then leads the family to a dead end and the Wendigo closes in and Dean pops in to save the day with a fiery kill shot. So one thing I noticed on that part was they gained a lot of distance on this creature that's supposed mm -hmm. to be really fast. That's Thank you. It was Thank right you next to much. them. <laughs> then all of a sudden they like had a whole few seconds gap there and five, ten second gap on him. <laughs> like, did he just sit there and watch them run? Right. For a He's like, oh, <laughs> anywhere. I know this mine like the back of my hand. I'll catch him in a second. <laughs> oh, shit, a flare gun. I'm done. <laughs> oh, bang. bang I'm fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> yes. They fucking, they, yeah, they spend so much time talking about how lightning fast this motherfucker is. 
the old man talks about it. It streaks by on the footage. The brothers, the Winchesters mentioned a couple of times, we never can run away. And twice they have run moments. And both times some people get the yeah. fuck away. <laughs> And tell Sam in a display of leadership that will once again foreshadow his leadership skills for the rest of the series leads them to a dead end. (laughs) To pop in and shoot them in the shoot this thing in the chest where it goes up like a goddamn torch. Now, how how dry does this thing have to be to go up like that? I mean, he's like a piece of beef jerky at this point, I guess, because I mean, he just. I've oh. got the answer. I've got I've got the answer here. Excellent. I've got the answer. Cause see, I did the I did the D and D math on it. So see what happened is they split up and this allowed Dean to hide. Now, this doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's the fact that as I've told you before, Dean's mm-hmm. a rogue. So that means he gets to come out, he gets a surprise mm-hmm. attack, which triggers his sneak, sneak attack. attack. Damage. So first yeah. he got sneak attack damage, then he crit the shot, hit him right yeah. in the heart with it, and the monster's weak to fire. What does that all equal up to? One shot in the big bed. Thank you, sir. Have a nice night. That's that brilliant. That. I like it. Your math checks out. Your math checks out. All right. So did anybody else question the, hey, you want some white meat, bitch, line <laughs> that Dean threw out when he ran off? And I went, wait, I just, what? Why exactly? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, you, Dean was just trying to say he used a premium cut. Yeah, it does not did not come across. I was like, wait, no, this just so does not. Um, anybody who truly eats chicken knows that the dark mm-hmm. meat's better. But you know, he just came out of. Did he know that a, a black dude had just gotten in? There's no, there's no Ooh. way for me to work. It's my to work this way around this you know line. What? We're, we're gonna say that he didn't know. Yeah, it, no, that's, he, he probably knew. That he seems like knew. a really just an ad lib that wasn't thought through very well, because um, it's just so weird. Like fresh meat. Hey, you want some fresh meat, bitch? Okay, no problem. He only eats fresh meat. Yeah, I want exactly. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true because he's leaving yep. stuff out to dry for jerky. Man, man, man. man. they're solid. <laughs> we keep them alive. Uh, we're not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> You're not going to get me. But Wendigo had a little bit of a uh, Lord of the Rings orc vibe going on. Uh, uh, he plus long, skinny clutter. It definitely has a troll profile with the tall, kind of hunched over, uh, yeah. uh, skinny arms. It looked like um, Gollum's older, taller brother. Yes. <laughs> That's actually what the series creator creator for the longest time hated this episode because one of the earlier episodes, I mean, he just didn't feel like it stood up well. But going back and watching it with his daughter later on, he was like, yeah, this actually stands like the the, uh, the test of time. I mean, uh, Wendigo still looks a little bit like like giant Gollum. Oh, God. But uh, yeah, he, so he said even the guy who created it felt that it came across that way. Uh, we, we end up back at the ranger station and Ben, little bro, is giving the cover story to the cops. Uh, we get some Haley and Dean banter. The Haley fam head off in an ambulance. Sam and Dean talk about hating camping. Dean reassures Sam that they'd find their dad. Uh, and then Dean lets Sam drive. And we close on the Impala heading down the road. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Ben says it must have been a 900 pound bear. <laughs> Right, you're right. That is a monstrous bear, nine hundred pounds. What is the? 
Is it what a monster? Is the, I mean, I, I, your average grizzly, your average adult grizzly weighs 440 yeah. pounds as an adult. Oh, no, I'm sorry, male, 600 pounds, female, 290 to 440. So a male is so, uh, a, the average male grizzly, 600 so, pounds. So yeah, that's a, a, that would be a big ass grizzly. You know, a third yeah, bigger grizzly. than normal. That's a big ass grizzly. I think they were, you know, they were playing with the fact that he's really just, he's uh, coming out of his ass with the story, right? He's just oh, like wait, wait. shooting off this shit. <laughs> so here's the thing. Now, of course, he's talking about grizzlies, but I would like to just point out that it's not outside of the realm of possibility for a bear in general to be that big because polar bears get up to like almost a thousand pounds. Sure, but they're constantly eating. Also, there hasn't been a grizzly in Colorado since the right. 70s. So there's two yeah. problems with that story. <laughs> One, <laughs> that it was a grizzly and two, that it was a 900 pound grizzly. So, so like, hey guys, we were wrong. There's one here and it's fucking Jaws as it right. turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, didn't, they didn't coach him well. They were just like, hey, just yeah. make up something. I don't know, I just... <laughs> But Sam, I guess, but, Sam, but Sam is standing right there going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a big bear, bear officer. Big bear. Like, they make sure to show that Sam is standing there going, yeah, big bear, man. Uh, no, I mean, I get that they had to make it, you know, sound totally unrealistic. But you know, there's got to – where's the follow-up with these rangers? Why aren't they saying, well, where's the bear? How did you, how'd you get away? Where did you see it? Let's form a man. Let's form a punt party. Let's go get this bear. I mean – they are American hicks in Colorado. I mean, you would think they'd call in like all the rangers from right. everywhere, but like, well, we yeah, gotta go find this record-breaking right. grizzly bear. I mean, and it, I know it alludes to the picture they took or they looked at at the beginning at the first ranger at first ranger station scene where they see the this huge bear. It was Bearzilla, right. but yeah, I mean, I keep going back to what to what Turner's saying that you know if bears haven't been around for thirty years, you know, grizzly bears haven't been around for thirty years, then there's got to you know. We're sending teams of researchers out there to track this bear down and figure out how it survived without anybody knowing. It's almost as rare as Bigfoot now. Bears, man. You got to be scared bears. of bears. Can I share Can I share my one uh, interesting fact about bears? Grizzlies, that is. So, so grizzlies are only, our Kodiaks are not different types of bears. They're different type of species. They are grizzly bears, but they are called Kodiaks. Because they are only found on Kodiak Island outside of Alaska, but they're still grizzly oh. bears. Oh, that's fascinating. They, they, because you hear Kodiak rattled right. off all the goddamn think, time. God, that's even worse than a grizzly. But no, it's just a grizzly nope. from Kodiak Island. But it's like, but it's a grizzly <laughs> grizzly though, because I mean everything, everything's tougher right. up in Alaska. Okay. I'll give you that. That they, they do not have the same uh, 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 grooming standards as the continental U.S. Grizzlies. They're not running right. around stealing picnic baskets. Exactly. Right. No, exactly. No. And we do get it. We do get a Yogi Bear reference and yes, Bambi reference earlier. I forgot about that. Which you know, if you're going to mention Yogi Bear, you got to go picnic right. basket. Like I'm disappointed anybody time anybody makes a Yogi Bear and does not mention the picnic <laughs> basket. Um, I don't but, remember the name of the comedian. There's a comedian in the 80s who had this bit where he talk, talked about uh, Yogi Bear and uh, stealing picnic oh, no. baskets. And he would, he's like, ah, gee, you're doing, you're doing uh, boo-boo. Gee, Yogi, I don't think the ranger's going to like that. Well, uh, fuck the ranger, boo-boo. <laughs> I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> and there's a picnic basket right there. Yogi Bear was a parody of somebody, though, right? I mean, wasn't Yogi supposed Wasn't he... Um- was it Roger, Rodney Dangerfield? No. No. Um, More like a Ralph Cramden kind of thing. Or not Ralph. Yeah, Ralph yeah. Cramden, right? The the from the the skinny guy from the honeymooners. Yeah, he was uh Ed Ed Norton. Norton's, yeah. 
Art yes. Carney's Ed Norton character yes. from the Honeymooners. Yeah, it was supposed to be the inspiration for yeah. Yogi Bear. Um, so yeah, so even Yogi Bear himself was was a ripoff. Yeah. Uh, well, geez. So and there there are no original stories. And speaking of no original stories, on to the Wendigo and the Monster of the Week. So uh, the reason why I'm familiar with the Wendigo actually, even before uh, it kind of has has popped up in monster and cannibalism lore, there is a Marvel Comics villain which is a Wendigo. It is a kind of a Hulk sized, hairy, uh, snow white creature that uh, roams Canada. It is a curse that you get when you resort to cannibalism, and it turns you into one of these Wendigo things. And the first appearance of Wolverine where he fights the Hulk is actually tied to a Wendigo story. So thanks to the ultimate guide to the Marvel universe, which I loved reading as a kid, that's how I knew what a Wendigo was and what, when he had popped up. And then um, he's popped up in a bunch of Wolverine and X-Men cartoons and, and Hulk cartoons and stuff over time. But the Wendigo itself is actually a evil spirit, which originates from Algonquin, First Nation tribes based in around the East Coast forests of Canada, Great Plains, U.S., and the Great Lakes regions. It is often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses human beings. The Wendigo is known to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger and the desire to cannibalize other humans. So one of the things that kind of is consistent with Wendigo lore is that cannibalism hook. And there's actually a psychosis called Wendigo psychosis. Like if all of a sudden uh, got the urge to make man jerky their jazz and eat, eat your neighbors, you would be accused of having Wendigo psychosis. So it's something that's made its way even into even into psychology. So Wendigos and Supernatural have um, a couple of different abilities. I think is everybody kind of on board with using the starting the stat block with troll and then kind of modding from there? I'm good with it. Yeah, the stat block is for trolls is, I think, a little different. Okay. Uh, trolls are going to be stronger and less dexterous than I would imagine the Wendigo would be. Okay. But definitely the regeneration trait and uh, keen smell, for sure. Keen smell. All right. So we're going to... Here, let me pull this guy up real quick. Let's do troll stat block. So there is um, there is some existing homebrew Wendigos out there. Like if if you search for Wendigo, you'll yeah. I believe there's actually an existing Pathfinder one, um, and uh, there is uh, a bunch of homebrew stuff out there. But we are they, none of them really kind of matched up well with the supernatural aspect of it. So I like the I like the armor class being at fifteen. Um, I'm comfortable with the hit points kind of being consistent with the trolls. Uh, so you're saying up the, um, uh, just drop the strength down a little bit, Anthony, and, and pump it into decks or just boost up the movement? I would, uh, I would mix, I wouldn't have the con be as high as a troll. Okay. And, and make the decks the higher one. I don't know if you want to necessarily make it a 20 like the con is, but, um, yeah, that would explain the speed with the higher decks. Yeah, I'm sure. especially with how much these guys are moving through the trees and scampering around. I also think their intelligence should be higher than the seven. Than the troll, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would at least get boosted up to where they would have a plus one on intelligence because this guy, these guys are clever. You know what I mean? Smart enough to grab yeah. gear, um, smart enough to um, do the voice mimicry. Um, so the other abilities this thing had, um, it had the voice mimicry. Um, yeah. Uh, but what I would say is it doesn't have like flat out voice mimic. It can only mimic uh, like screams and like people calling for help. I would limit it 
to that. Um, because it's, I don't, I think if you just give it voice mimicry, I don't, I don't see this thing kind of sneaking up outside your tent being like, Stan, come outside. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's anytime you heard it mimic voices, it was like, help or, oh God. Right. I think, uh, and I think most of the mimicries actually say sounds that the creatures heard, okay. which for the most part would be screams and not conversation. What about, um, what, wouldn't, or what about the uh, silent moans of somebody asking for help, calls of help? Like, you know, you've got somebody stunned on the ground or mostly knocked out. And yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm cool with that. Again, not just not convert, like, not you, full conversation. Yeah, not full on, right not like the, not like the voice imitation. Like, there's a feat you can take. I forget which feat it is that lets you mimic somebody's voice. Um, not that, but this is more like, um, because I, I, you can hear it calling for help, but again, it was it was more sounds of distress. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's got um, immortality. It affects lovely as long as it keeps eating. Um, it doesn't die of old age. Uh, it just has to hibernate. Um, what do you want to put its movement at? Uh, I would say put its movement at forty. And then here's the reason why, because the, the thing that we were all talking about earlier, where all of a sudden he just couldn't run fast to catch up to the rest of the party that he was chasing down is because that, that bugged the shit out of me. So I was like, what if his super speed is actually an ability with charges, like a legendary action? See, I was going to put, so I was, instead, I was going along the lines of the lore that they were saying, not the inconsistencies with what they actually presented was the uh the, if they said you couldn't run away you would set their base speed at 60 so that the average character wouldn't be able to get out of movement range with a dash action like literally you couldn't run away and get out of melee range from this thing mm. um, but i do see your point with what actually happened there is there's got to be some kind of loophole with the super speed so I was going to say you give it an ability as a legendary action to um, or not. Uh, I guess it's a legendary action and how that works in the mechanic D&D mechanically. But, you you know, he uses a legendary action. He's got what, two, three charges of it or whatever. And he, if he runs out, he can uh, roll a D6 to gain another charge of it. Um, but it triples his movement speed. So you give him a base speed of 40 and then if he triggers that legendary action, he gets to go 120. What I thought legendary actions, uh, like they had a point value and those points reset every round. They do. Yeah. Oh, breath, sorry, breath, breath, missed, yeah breath weapons you roll to get back. So that, what, that's what I'm sorry. I'm trying to trigger it like a breath weapon. What about the ability to cast haste on itself once or twice a day? Ooh. Or no, I, I think what I would actually like better is give them something that's faster than normal 40 45 but give them like uh that the forest areas aren't like difficult terrain for them they're, ah. they're free to move that's which so they would seem super fast because everybody else is on difficult terrain in thick forest area and they don't give a shit uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go i like that a lot so 45 plus freedom of movement in their preferred terrain yeah excellent, excellent. which clearly okay. the, the- uh the caves were not, or the, the mines were not a preferred terrain for him. <laughs> yeah. Preferred terrain, not the mines. Correct. Which again, that, that, then it, it all works out that way. Ooh, do we have to give him a climb speed I was thinking too? climb and a jump because he can jump up those trees too. Yeah. I would say what's Baba's climb speed, Anthony? Was it, was it 30 or 40? I think it may be f- uh, full movement. Uh, I must say climbs. climb speed equal to a tabaxi. That's what I was looking uh, for. 20 feet. 20 feet, yeah. It's 20 feet. Are we, are we oh. comfortable with climb speed equal to the backseat? 
Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the jump ability? So ordinarily jump is based off your strength. Isn't his dex going to be higher? I would say we could base it off his dex instead. Jump based off of dex. Okay. That works. Um, And then uh, the other thing, um, I would say give it advantage on survival checks to track prey. Yeah, uh, keen smell, keen sight. Uh, I would give it uh, higher dark vision yeah, than trolls say too. Dark vision, dark vision, dark. Uh, trolls have dark vision sixty. I could probably give them one twenty. What about the um, the the claw attack? I mean, because this this guy is obviously a claw attack guy. I don't think he's a bite. Um, I think he's multi attack two claws. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Are we keeping it with the? Um, Troll uh, 2d6 plus 4 slashing damage. Uh, what did we put four. his dex as? Uh, I was going to swap the the um, the dex and the con. So give him... And I was actually going to say, let's, let's do... Let's put the 20 on the dex. Um, okay. And then uh, maybe drop that con down to a 10 instead of the 13 that the troll has on the dex. Um, because this guy, they are thin and spindly... Right. Um, you know, they do, they are constantly ravenous. It just seems we, like a average constitution so, works for this guy. What do we put so, his strength at? I would leave it at eight to 18 because they do, uh, they yeah, do have super strong. strength according to, so, yeah. So move the 20 to dex, yeah. the 13 to intelligence, okay. and then boost the con to 10. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that would boost it, the, that boosts the AC to 19. Okay. And then you make the claw a dex base. Instead yeah. of strength base, which would give him two uh, six plus five. No, no, it'd be plus uh, eight. What? Yeah, because oh no 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 no. Oh, my bad. Plus five. I'm sorry. It's it's on strength. I was thinking it was just, I had it on dex. I got my I got my stats mixed up. I changed the AC by the dex yeah. and not the attack. Yeah, right. So he'd be a weapon attack plus eight. Okay. And two d six plus five. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. The um, okay. So one of the things, and I think this is something we're gonna have to address, kind of overall, is just a thesis statement for it. So, like with the ghosts and stuff, there are certain creatures that we will be able to come up with a a conversion kind of one shot, one kill elimination tactic, like the ghosts burning and salting and burning the bones. Um, there are certain things you can do with demons, and there there are other kind of things that you can um, uh, you can use certain items to kind of wipe, wipe off the map. Um, with the Wendigo, are we just going to go damage resistance to everything except fire and then damage weakness to fire? Or how do we want to handle, I mean, for, for Dean to say our guns aren't even going to work, you're just going to piss it off. I think we've got to give him some kind of resistance to piercing damage at the very least. I made him immune to all the basic damages. Okay. No, I think in my, I think you, in my head, I think you go resistance, but you give him regeneration like trolls. Okay, so you can't, uh, you can't, you can take it, you can make him weak by hitting him, but you can't kill him that way. Yeah, so I, think, uh. I think there's, and I think there's two ways you can tune this. I think you can tune this as at a like a tough monster where you give him the regeneration, you give him the resistance to everything and a weakness to fire. Um, and then they're just tough to beat. And then you can tune it to where, Hey, it's a puzzle monster where you got to find the one thing that can fucking kill it. And when you do figure that out, that wipes it out. So I think it's just, you know, I think, uh, 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 the, like the traditional monster 
engineering for it would be what you're talking about, Anthony. And I, I like that. And I think that's what we will use on there. But I think it's also worth putting a footnote like, hey, if you wanted to build this episode into a like low level encounter or you know, our mid level encounter, even building it to where the monsters just immune until you guys can figure out what the fuck it is. And you have laid out clues you know, like that journal that basically says use fire to kill it. And the party can have had the opportunity if they've played well to find that journal. I think you can, I think you can go both ways. But just, I hate as a rule of thumb, as a DM, putting a monster that can only be killed by one thing always makes me really fucking nervous. Yeah. And and I, I think I like the fact, I like the idea of it falling unconscious. Yay. We beat it, turn around. And then around later, it gets back up. Like, yeah. I, like the, I, I like that feel uh, and that's, in a combat scenario would be pretty fun. That's actually what I wrote down for a note on the woman in white that um, with with our ghosts, if you if it's not killed with a magical weapon it, and you don't salt and burn the bones, then it will come back kind of in a similar similar vein. Yeah. So to, to keep with the supernatural uh, tone without creating a monster that is completely can't be demolished by the party because there are, I think, a, a couple of undead that are that way uh, in 5e. I know there were in older editions where if you don't take, uh, like a lich, for example, if you don't take care of the, the oh God, mm-hmm. phylactery, yeah. there we go, um, they're going to come back with, uh, with ghosts. Uh, I think we say, hey, look, if you kill it with a magical weapon, then you're good. But if, uh, if you are a low-level party, then yeah, you need to go and find those bones and salt them and burn them. Cool. Any other notes or traits or anything we want to bake into the Wendigo <laughs> for episode two? I've got nothing else for traits on the Wendigo. My last notes are about Sam and Dean. Oh, then by all means. Uh, my last note is just me getting on my soapbox again about the fact that Dean is a goddamn rogue um, <laughs> with his with his lying and stealing and wanting all the women. And then that's also with my case of the sneak attack crit double damage from the fire um, that, that all like all of these things are putting together a pretty solid case. And at least the base of his player character is a first, second level rogue and then yeah. whatever else goes into him. And then also um, with all of you guys' notes about Sam's weird pseudo edge. I was like, Sam is like a first level rogue that wants to now be an Oath of Vengeance paladin, but doesn't know, doesn't believe hard enough. So he's just kind of emo right now. And then I put AKA that one super edgy backstory rogue that everybody plays their first time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not arguing with you that Dean is a rogue. I will also say from a skill set perspective Um, Sam also kind of falls into that rogue category as well. What I am saying is uh, both of these guys will multi-class into a second class. Um, Sam probably sooner than Dean. um, And I can't go into what that is without spoiling stuff. Um, Ooh, right, that, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm saying I'm, I'm, my prediction right now is that he goes Oath of Vengeance Paladin just because, you know, saw his mother girlfriend or you know not that he saw his mother burned to death but knows of his mother's death saw his girlfriend's death is angry about it so vengeance oh that that's right one other little or episode trivia sam is all about getting to those coordinates to find their dad and even so when they get to the camp asked to check the gps to confirm the coordinates like that was going to make that big of a difference for the record those coordinates would lead to arizona 
not Colorado. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, my God, for the trivia, for them to make that big a deal about the coordinates multiple times in the episode, for the trivia for it to be someplace in fucking Arizona is, hey, man, 2005, I guess people didn't Google this shit as often as, as well. We there's your now. Anasazi connection then. There you, there you go. <laughs> well, no, the Anasazi are, were in Colorado. Um, there, uh, there are, and I think there's one, I think there's also one kind of around the four corners area. I've been to two. One, you can actually go and climb through the ruins in and create like the way the ruins were set up. So you climb up this set of ladders to get up onto the cliff. And then uh, you're basically in a cliff face, right? You guys have all seen mm-hmm. the pictures of the cliff dwellings, right? Yeah. So what you don't see really easily from those pictures is there's basically like a, a uh, gatehouse almost where you have to crawl through on your hands and knees through one little entry area into a larger room where you can stand up. And then you got to cut, get down on your hands and knees and crawl through another entry area. And it was to create a, a bottleneck for defending the cliff dwelling so that one or two people could stand on the other side of that. And as the person crawled through on all fours, they just get their head lopped off because there's no way to really offensively charge forward on all fours. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So, yeah, it was uh, it's fucking excellent goddamn yeah. strategy for for building, you know, if you're going to go the trouble to build your your city up on a cliff make sure you have a decapitation uh doorstop while you're at it yeah as soon as i gotta get on my hands and knees and crawl through the thing i'm done i'm out yeah decapitation foyer is what i was going for not uh, whatever it was i was trying to take from you mm -hmm. you can keep it (laughs) exactly it's like man i already had to crawl climb up a fucking cliff Mm -hmm. to get up here um fuck that um so cool. All right, guys, that wraps up the uh, second episode of the Hunter's Party. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will get the uh, we'll get everything writ up, written up and posted to the Patreon. Uh, if you're hearing this uh, in the month of February, March, April, you are definitely a Patreon supporter. Thank you for supporting. Uh, if you're hearing this later on, it's because we decided to uh, release these after a certain time period into the wild um, and Hey, if you want to hear these sooner, if you want to hear some additional bonus content, head over to patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast to check out what we've got. Thanks and have a good one. Peace. Later.